Hello, and welcome to On the Case. I'm Michael DePoe Wilson, your host, and thank you for joining us this month. And we have a great interview with Dr. Steve Garber, the author of the case report titled Optimizing Pain Management in a Patient with COVID-19 Pneumonia Undergoing Cesarean Delivery. And that article was published in the May issue of Anesthesiology News, which might already be in your mailbox. But you can also find it on the website anesthesiologynews.com, and the link to the article is also in the show description. Now, just a friendly reminder that if you have a case report of your own that you would like to submit for publication, you can go to anesthesiologynews.com slash case submission and follow the instructions there for how to submit your case report to us. We would love to see what you have. Now, I do have one note of disclosure before we get into this month's interview. Dr. Garber has informed us that he did receive some funding from Prasera Bioscience to support his writing of this case report. Okay, without further ado, let's get into this month's case with our guest, Dr. Steve Garber. Anesthesiologynews.com is the official website of Anesthesiology News, the most widely read publication for the specialty, now in its 47th year of publication. Get access to extensive news coverage of major scientific meetings, feature articles, in-depth clinical reviews written by thought leaders, and all of the Anesthesiology News multimedia content, such as the 60-second abstracts video series. To get access to all of this content and the complete Anesthesiology News archives, visit anesthesiologynews.com. And I'd like to welcome to this episode of On the Case our next guest, Dr. Stephen Garber. Welcome to the show, Dr. Garber. Michael, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure, and I'm very excited about this series. I'm an obstetric anesthesiologist in Laguna Beach, California, and have been practicing for over 30 years at a high-risk obstetric center and this case has been very unique and challenging, and I think it's important to get some of the details out for my colleagues in the obstetric anesthesiology world. And I and I should definitely say it's an extremely timely piece, and um, you know everything revolving around COVID nineteen is is just information we're trying to get out to people as fast as possible. I mean, and it's it's evolving so quickly, so it's it's wonderful to get this kind of insight into um in, into a specific case um of a patient who had COVID-19. Could you actually, just to get started, could you give us a a little overview of what the case is actually about? Absolutely. So this patient was about 36 weeks pregnant and admitted to the emergency room with COVID pneumonia and then transferred to the intensive care unit. She became very ill. And at some point, the perinatologist realized that they were gonna have to deliver the baby via cesarean section. This was actually our first encounter with a COVID positive patient that was very ill and we were all set up and ready to go. Okay, and and, uh, why did you decide to write a case report specifically about this? At the time, we were not aware of anyone that was doing tap blocks for post-operative C-section in COVID patients. Again, we were looking at the anesthetic challenges of general anesthesia versus regional anesthesia and thought if we could provide some really good pain relief, it would help her recovery immensely by reducing the amount of opioids and respiratory depression that's associated with normal post-op C-section care. 
I think it's obvious, but I just want to make sure. Could you tell us what your role in the case was? Yes, I was the attending anesthesiologist and responsible for the anesthetic and post-operative care immediately after her C-section. I know that this is a hot topic. You know, it's been um, something that everyone's been thinking about is COVID-19 and and how that's affecting different patients. But could you tell us a little bit in your own experience, a little summary of what the background has been with patients who come in um, who are who have COVID-19? Well, we have to have a very specific way to deal with these patients. And fortunately, at our institution, we have not had very ill, many very ill pregnant patients with COVID-19. And the ones that are extremely ill have to be taken care of very carefully because you've got a mom, you've got a baby. If mom deteriorates, baby deteriorates. So we're watching them very closely. We've been monitoring. We test everyone that comes in. We have special isolation rooms that are uh, prepared for COVID patients, including the operating rooms. So we've really done a lot of preparation for the care of these patients. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are familiar with exactly what you're talking about, um, you know, over the last year. Um, so I, I think it'd be great to get into some of the details of the case. Um, so you, you did mention this at the very top. Um, could you tell us what was going on when the case first presented? Yes, absolutely. So the patient was in the intensive care unit, and what was happening is gradually over the couple of days that she was there, she was becoming hypoxic, and this was leading to fetal decelerations. At some point, the obstetric team decided that they can't continue to watch this happen and had to go for delivery via C-section of the patient. When I went to interview her in the ICU, she was barely able to speak a sentence. She was on the verge of being intubated in the ICU, and that's something that they really wanted to avoid just because of the increased morbidity and mortality with intubation. So it was decided to proceed with a cesarean section with a regional anesthetic. When you went to see the patient for that interview, is that when you realized that there was something unique going on here? Yes, I did. I realized that she would be a difficult anesthetic and very challenging because when you're administering a spinal anesthetic, you're going to decrease some of the pulmonary reserve she has already. So on top of her decreased pulmonary reserve and then adding a spinal anesthetic, I knew it was going to be quite challenging and we were prepared to have to possibly intubate the patient if she was continuing to become hypoxic during the surgery as well. So there was a lot of preparation for different avenues that we would have to proceed. And, and you lay those out really well in the case report in terms of what was happening. And, and, you know, I appreciate you taking us through your thought process as you went into that. So as you were sort of approaching this case, uh, you, you sort of laid out some options um, in terms of managing the care of this patient. W- what were some of the other things that you considered and, and what was ultimately, how did you um, treat this patient during this case? One of the considerations that we had was the use of the multimodal protocol and a tap block with liposomal bupivacaine after surgery. We considered it in this patient because we wanted to decrease the opioid use. We were very interested in decreasing the amount of opioids postoperatively because those do depress respiration. The patient already was at a level of decreased respiratory reserve. So if we could do something to reduce the opioid use we thought, let's try the tap block with liposomal bupivacaine because it may work very well for her. 
So the plan was a spinal anesthetic, deliver the baby, and then afterwards do a tap block under ultrasound guidance using regular bupivacaine and liposomal bupivacaine to see if we could reduce her uh, intake of narcotics. And, and so what were the outcomes of that decision? It went very well. At first, it, when administered the spinal anesthetic and putting the patient supine, the spinal anesthetic in itself can reduce some of your pulmonary reserve. And she did have some difficulty breathing and her saturation was starting to drop slightly. That was very concerning and we were thinking that we may have to go to intubation at that point. Fortunately, she was stable enough. We proceeded with the surgery and once the baby was delivered and they got some more space for her lungs to expand, her O2 saturation began to come up gradually and her breathing rate started to decrease gradually, which was a very, very encouraging sign. And after that, it was pretty much smooth the rest of the surgery. And at the end of the surgery, I administered the tap block with liposomal bupivacaine uh, without any problem. She was then transferred to the ICU and she ended up doing very well just in the hours immediately after the surgery. Her saturation, her O2 saturation began to climb, her respiratory rate went down and her heart rate went down. She started feeling better already. And it was really nice because after 26 hours, she had required no use of narcotics. In addition, we're giving acinaminophen and Ketorolac every six hours, which helps as well. That's part of the multimodal protocol, pain protocol. And she did very well with that protocol. I mean, that sounds, that sounds excellent. Were you anticipating that kind of turnaround given this, this, the status of the patient as you entered into to the case and, and coming up with treatment options? No, I was very pleasantly surprised about the turnaround. And the patient was very healthy prior to her being admitted to the hospital. And she did very well, was discharged about six days after her initial uh, admission to the hospital. And I talked to her frequently over the weeks and at five weeks, she actually ended up running a half marathon, which I thought was very impressive. Wow, and she, that is very impressive. She really appreciated the care she got at the hospital as well as the decreased dependence on opioids after surgery. She actually went home with no opioids at all. And one of the reasons that we initially started this whole program, the TAP block with the liposomal bupivacaine was to look at reducing opioid use post cesarean section. Cesarean section is the most common surgery done in the country. 1.3 million surgeries uh, were done last year. And if we can do something to reduce the opioid use, there are a lot of benefits which are obvious. And one of them is uh, potentially stopping someone from actually becoming uh, addicted or uh, abusing opioids. Yeah, and I imagine that a lot of you know, new moms or, or moms who have just given birth are probably um, wondering about whether about that decision as well. So I'm, I'm sure that they're appreciative of the of not needing uh, to take opioids afterwards. It's nice that you started talking about this because I was going to actually ask you. You started to kind of zoom out and, and think about it in a, a larger scale. You know, were there um, were there any major takeaways from this experience that you feel like will help you and your team kind of go forward as, as you approach these cases in the future? So yes, one of the questions was about doing regional anesthesia with sick, very sick COVID patients. We, it turns out that is safe. 
and no one had really done that. I was aware of doing tap blocks as well for these patients because you're looking at could you possibly decrease their pulmonary reserve in any further manner or what would be the reaction if they're very sick with the use of the liposomal pipocaine. So we're very pleased with the outcome and felt that that was something that we could continue to do and it would absolutely help their post-operative care, especially if they're in the ICU, decreasing their dependence on opioids and getting their respiratory function back to normal quicker. Do you think that based on this experience that you'll continue to do this going forward or are there any changes that, that you kind of decided to make based on how things went during this case? No, actually the case went very well. We had very good communication um, as you can imagine and other anesthesiologists that have been in the operating room with these COVID patients at the time. We had full PPE. Communication is very important between the team. It went very smoothly and we mapped out a plan prior and our plan worked very well in the roadmap. And I think that one of the big takeaways is to be prepared. What are you going to be prepared to do? How's your team going to react? You have to have someone for backup if you need it. If you need intubation, the ICU team were very well prepared in that respect. As far as the tap blocks and not just for the COVID patients, but I've actually started doing zero opioid anesthetic, spinal anesthetics for C-sections. Normally, you're putting some opioid, usually fentanyl and duramorph in the spinal space for a routine C-section. And I'm starting to now eliminate that completely using the multimodal pain protocol and using a tap block with liposomal pivocaine. And I've only done a short series at this point, but I'm finding that with the elimination of that, the all of the opioid side effects that you're seeing, nausea and vomiting, itching, are eliminated, and patients can get out of the hospital earlier. There's, there's really, this whole path is leading us down something that's really remarkable if you're starting to look at a zero opioid anesthetic and post-operative care for C-section. Did you start approaching these cases specifically because patients were coming in with COVID, or is this a decision that you had started to consider before the pandemic had started? We had actually just started our program at the end of February, so right before we really started seeing an influx of COVID patients at our hospital. So it, it sort of dovetailed into the treating the COVID patient as well with this, with this procedure. Um, well, that's good timing, right? <laughs> um, you know, is there anything else you, you'd like to say about the case that, um, you know, anything that stood out to you as, as you experienced it and, you know, after the fact, as you decided to write up the report about it? Well, I think that you really have to pay attention very carefully to the COVID patients and when their their state of their illness, because they can deteriorate very rapidly. If you're going to make a decision to proceed with a urgent elective cesarean section, I think it has to be done early. You don't want this in the middle of the night if you can avoid it. You want something that's controlled. So I think that's one of the most important things is having the team communicate very well, be aware of the possibility of a very rapid deterioration in status. Because most of these women are very healthy and they're going to do fine with a regular delivery. And if you have a woman like this that is already on the edge, they can deteriorate the next step very quickly and rapidly. So it's very important to be prepared for all of the outcomes necessary, have a great team, great communication. And that's a, that's a big part of taking care of these patients. 
Absolutely. And we we do have the case um, linked in the show notes of the episode so that people can take a look at it. And I definitely encourage people to read the case, all of our listeners. But Dr. Garber, thank you so much for joining us on uh, on this episode of the show. And, and I really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you for having me. It's very exciting. Uh, this Just to be a part of this, I'm very, very appreciative of you taking the time and allowing me to elaborate on this very interesting and exciting case report. Thank you so much to Dr. Garber for being our guest this month on On the Case. And thank you to all of you for joining us. I would like to remind you one more time that if you were listening to Dr. Garber explain what went into the writing of this case report, and you were thinking that you too might have a case to submit, please consider doing so. You can go to our website at anesthesiologynews.com slash case submission and follow the instructions there for how to submit your case report. I would also like to remind you that our guest for the next episode of Ask the Experts is going to be Dr. Cheryl Gooden. Dr. Gooden is a pediatric anesthesiologist at Yale New Haven Hospital in Connecticut, and she is also an associate professor of anesthesiology at the Yale School of Medicine. And one of her areas of expertise is pediatric airway management, which is what we're going to be talking to her about. And finally, if you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating and a review because it really helps others to discover the show as well, and we would really appreciate it. As always, thank you so much for listening. Anesthesiology News presents On the Case was produced this month by me, Michael DePoe Wilson. It was edited by Ken Christensen. Our music comes from Blue Dot Studios. Our editorial director is James Pruden. The rest of the team is Richard Tordo, Justin Kaback, Blake Dennis, Betty Zong, Kristen Janicone, Lucia Scanlon, Kwang Yi Chung, Sophia Lee, and Sam Steinfeld. On the Case is a project of Anesthesiology News, the most widely read publication for the specialty, and the McMahon Publishing Group.